Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Koro Tarod. I'm coming to you from the Jezreel Valley in the Lower Galilee, where my wife and I live. I'm so glad that you could join me today. Today's episode is entitled, A Yemenite Tale. On the podcast today, you will learn about the Yemenite people who make up a wonderful part of Israel's mosaic. You will hear about their journey to Israel and a story from a Yemenite man named Roe. The Yemenite story to Israel is very similar to the Ethiopian narrative. It is one of intense struggle, covert operations, and the secret aircraft transporting of Yemenite Jews from Eritrea, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. A short history of this story goes back to the Jewish agency emissary, Rabbi Yaakov Sheraboam. He went to Yemen after Israel had become a state and discovered 50,000 Yemenite Jewish men and women living there. Yaakov Sheraboam saw that the Yemenite community had a strong religion and a messianic desire to come to Israel. After multiple letters to Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion, he gave the okay to rescue the displaced Yemenite Jewish community. Operation on Wings of Eagles had officially been started in June of 1949 and lasted until September 1950. The Operation on Wings of Eagles official name came from two biblical passages. The first passage was found in Exodus 19.4 and that reads, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. The second passage was found in Isaiah 40.31 which says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This is the beautiful thing about Israel. The moment you set foot outside your front door, you're immediately walking into history, biblical history. The Yemenite people in Israel. The Yemenite people, or better known in Hebrew as Temanim, have experienced four waves of immigration to the land of Israel. From the 1880s to 1914, Jewish Yemenite lives left the country of Yemen. This was made possible by the freedom of movement due to the changes in the Ottoman Empire. Another change was the opening of the Suez Canal, the artificial sea-level waterway in Egypt which connected the Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea, reduced travel time from Yemen to Syria. The Yemenites, who are collectively a deeply spiritual people, interpreted these developments and changes as heavenly signs and that the time of redemption was near and the messianic era was about to begin. When the Yemenite Jewish community came to Israel, they primarily settled in Jerusalem and Jaffa and ended up building the old Yemenite synagogue in the Jerusalem district known as Silwan. The second wave of Yemenite Jews came from the 1920s to the 1940s. The main reason for leaving Yemen was due to a law called the Orphan's Decree. This law stated that if any Jewish boy or girl under the age of 12 was orphaned, that they had to be forcibly converted to Islam. Many Yemenite Jews left due to these harsh circumstances. 
From 1947 to 1950, Yemenite Jews came to Israel from the missions known as Operation Magic Carpet and Operation on Wings of Eagles that I mentioned earlier. In the 2000s, Yemenite Jewish immigrants came in more secret and covert operations via the country of Qatar. The Jewish agency orchestrated these secret missions into Israel. As of the year 2018, there is a reported 50 Jewish people remaining in the country of Yemen, and it may only be a matter of time when there will no longer be any more Jewish people left in that country. How did the Yemenite Jewish community end up in Yemen? No one definitively knows how Jewish people ended up in the country known as Yemen. According to the Yemenite tradition, a group of wealthy Jewish people left Jerusalem after they heard Jeremiah prophesy the destruction of the temple in 629 BC, some 42 years before the devastation of the city of Jerusalem. Some historians believe that King Solomon's trading and naval networks brought Jews to Yemen from Judea around 900 BC. History has also provided us when the Yemenite Jewish population gave us the first evidence of the Jewish presence and that time period can be traced to the 3rd century AD. The Yemenite people and the word Yemen mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures. The word Yemen in the Bible is mentioned as a person who came from that region. There is an example of this found in Job 2.11. When Job's three friends, Elphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nahamathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. The prophet Jeremiah mentioned the land of Yemen as a place that was once full of wisdom. He writes, Concerning Edom, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Is there no longer wisdom in Teman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? Has their wisdom decayed? The most interesting and moving reference to the land of Yemen is the vision that the prophet Habakkuk experienced. In his vision, he saw a wonderful scene. He writes in Habakkuk 3 verse 3, God came from Yemen, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, his glory, covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. The Yemenite community are a spiritual people. The Yemenite people read the Torah, the prophets, and the writings of the Hebrew Bible. They have a unique religious tradition, unlike other Jewish groups that read the Talmud. They have been described as the most Jewish of all the Jews and the ones who have preserved the Hebrew language the best. The Talmud and the Ancient Jewish Family The Talmud says that every Jewish family was to provide their sons six specific things growing up. The father was obliged to circumcise his son, redeem him by going to the temple, teach him the Torah, make sure he married in an arranged marriage, and teach him how to swim and learn a trade. This tradition lasted for centuries upon end and certainly became part of the Yemenite Jewish custom and tradition in their communities. The Yemenite trade that took on the most interest and gifting was that of the silversmith. The Yemenite Jewish community never became goldsmiths while living in Yemen due to the biblical narrative of the story of the golden calf. 
the Yemenite Jewish community believed that it was associated with idolatry. The oldest Yemenite Jewish man passes away. Last month, Shlomo Suleiman was not only one of the oldest Yemenite men to pass away, he was perhaps one of the oldest men in the world. He lived to the ripe old age of 117. He almost touched the age of one of the great prophets and deliverers, Moses, who lived to 120. Shlomo came to Israel with his wife and four children in 1949, one year after Israel achieved its independence. Shlomo served in the Israeli army and worked within the field of agriculture. Even during the pandemic, he would visit the synagogue and provide wisdom through the biblical text to his entire community. He was an inspiration to his entire neighborhood. In his hundreds, he would walk great distances on foot, carrying a bag of oranges on his back. Slomo is a wonderful reminder to all of us of the heroes and heroines of times past who, despite their advancements in age, never let that become a hindrance in what they felt they were put on earth to do. The Ancient Beauty of the Yemenite Wedding Many cultures have wonderful wedding traditions that have been going on for centuries on end. The Jewish Yemenite wedding combines ancient skill of handicraft with Middle Eastern Arabic customs. The bride is typically adorned in red, wearing a beaded headdress resembling a tiered cake. The headdress weighs two pounds, and the bride puts on a chest full of necklaces and under her neck a thick collar of silver beads braided into red yarn. The entire community attends, and often large crowds are a part of this festive experience. Nitzat Hadovdavan, the local health food store in Tiberias. The health food store that Tikva and I go once a week provides a space that is much more than a shopping market to buy food. It is a place to reconnect with dear friends who frequent there as well. It's a time to talk about the different daily life situations that each family is facing. We often go in looking to spend a few minutes buying fresh meat and vegetables and end up staying in the store kibitzing for over an hour. In the health food store, there is someone who we have developed a friendship with, our friend a Yemenite man named Roe. When you see him enter the health food store, it is as if he was someone who appeared out of the pages of the Old Testament. Roe's character and entire disposition is a man who resembles the ancient prophets of Israel, a man of strong stature with spindles of hair on each side called peyot and a yarmulke on top of his head. He is always ready to help and assist us. One time, when we were walking in the aisle going to buy a dozen eggs, he took the carton out from our hands and began to tap lightly on every one of the eggs. He said the ones that break easily were never good and were not fit for us to buy. Roe in Hebrew means shepherd, and that is exactly how we all feel from him shepherded. He is the person that watches over the tiny flock at the health food store 
making sure all is well. Roe is a man that is deeply acquainted with the scriptures. Sometimes he will send us text messages of scripture verses out of the Bible that correlate perfectly with what is going on in the news. He is a man that is in tune. When we see Roe, we ask him what biblical texts he is reading. Tikva said to him at the store the other day, What have you been reading in the Tanakh? The Tanakh is the Hebrew Bible. Roe said, I will text Koro later with the passage. Roe, who is only in his 20s or maybe early 30s, is constantly meditating on a particular passage in the Hebrew Scriptures. A few weeks ago, he sent us a text message on his old flip phone, which read, in Hebrew, Good morning, my friend and my brother. Look at Isaiah chapter 11, a prophecy of what the Messiah will be when he comes. Let's take a look at what this passage in Isaiah 11 actually says. It reads, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Roe also, in the text message that he sent to us, said, and I'm quoting his words, in Hebrew, If you want to see how the Messiah will look, and the arm of God on whom it will be revealed, see Isaiah 53, and read it until verse 7. Let's once again look at what Isaiah 53, 1-7 says. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. One day Tikva and I were speaking with him in the store next to the refrigerated food section. He began to share about his family, his relatives, and the life he had heard from them in Yemen. The details of his recollections were moving and riveting. He talked openly about how his grandfather, buried a treasure chest of precious jewelry, and provided a map on where to find it. He shared also how his Yemenite family had to depart their country of Yemen so suddenly to escape the life they knew so well and enter the land of Israel. 
The story that moved us the most was when his family left Yemen. They had many heirlooms and jewelry possessions taken away from them before they entered the aircraft that was taking them to relocate in Israel. The tragic thing was that their possessions were never returned to them ever again. Years later, Roe said his grandmother was walking through a museum in the capital city of Jerusalem and saw the jewelry that she once owned on display there. We saw tears well up in Roe's eyes as he recalled the painful memories of yesteryear. Yet the love he had in his heart for his family and the people who had taken these heirloom treasures did not take away his peace, his shalom, and he did not enter into bitterness. Now is the time to confront and heal from the ancestral sin of yesterday and today. The famous words of Rabbi Hillel must be heeded for this tragic situation. Let's frame this discussion with the Hillel quote. If I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I am only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? I mentioned and went into detail on earlier episodes about how the world for the last 500 years has been changed and the many peoples of the earth have been placed into racialized categories. This unfortunately has come to and has now become a living reality for all the people here in Israel. When Jewish people of Middle Eastern descent came to Israel in the 1940s, they were strategically placed into the areas of the country that were on the periphery and very much the modern outback wilderness and hinterland. These areas are located in the southern and northern regions of the country. The people who lived and live now presently were and are excluded from life in the big cities of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and given lands that were completely isolated and are living in areas now that are isolated. They did not have and still do not have access to affordable public housing, education, jobs, and the cultural aspects found in the center of the country known in Hebrew as the Merkaz. The placement of peoples throughout Israel divided the country socially, economically, spiritually, ethnically, leaving deep scars and festering wounds that continue to persist to this very day. Through much awareness, light has been shown on this sensitive and deep human issue and social rupturing. For example, a documentary entitled Ancestral Sin was produced about the history of European Ashkenazim Jews' mistreatment towards the Middle Eastern Mizrahim Jews of Israel. A case has been brought to the government and ruling body of Israel known as the Knesset on the injustices of people groups with the hopes to correct that which was for the longest time in desperate need of being corrected. Modern families have intermingled and intermarried as cultures have been blended together, European and Iraqi, Ethiopian and Sephardic, and many other shared cultures have come together with the hopes of changing futures and instilling new dreams and new possibilities that only a short time ago 
seemed impossible. Yet, despite all of these great strides towards peace, unity, shalom, and healing, God wants his people to be so much more. The prophet Isaiah refers to the people he created as a special and shining light unto all the nations. But before Israel can be a light, it has to have the true light of Messiah in them, so that tikkun olam, healing and restoration, can take place, and God's truth can be shared with the entire world. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story, when I will be sharing about the Ashkenazim from Europe and my own personal connection to their plight. See you soon.